When is Late Model Live coming on tonight? Oh my God! We got Weaver, Beaver, Kevin Weaver wins! There's no green light! The race of the year! Forget about it! I don't want to hear nothing else! Glad to see all our fans are out tonight. <laughs> I hope they appreciated that ass kicking. And y'all, I know you love me. I mean, Dirt on Dirt's interviewing me right now. You got to be kidding me. Who's it gonna be? At the line! Oh, no! The winner of the inaugural Dirt Million, Earl Pearson Jr. Oh my, Shannon Bad wins it! Are you kidding me? The kid can wheel a truck. The kid can wheel a wave model. Oh, hell yeah! At the line, it's gonna be Jonathan Davenport! This is one of those days you literally can't find anything to complain about because it's such an awesome day. This is your race day report for... It's going to be Scott Bloomquist winning his eighth dirt late model dream. Deeswap, move over. New race of the year. Into turn number three. Davenport blocking. Shepard slides out. Davenport answers. Shepard wins. Shepard wins. I like to look at this thing tonight. But for right now, sit back and relax. And most importantly, welcome to DirtOnDirt.com. Now join Michael Rigsby from the Dirt on Dirt studio for Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. I wanted to open this show. I wanted to be bouncing off the walls. Last Tuesday, I sat here and discussed the busiest April weekend in Dirt on Dirt history. I was worried that I would not literally have enough time in this hour this week to cover all the racing and then... Mother Nature didn't just poop on our parade. Poop, or as they do in the Goldbergs, poop, turn, poop on the parade. But this was outside in Bloomington, Illinois, where we were midday Sunday, so just 48 hours ago, basically. Look at this. This is Sunday in mid-April, people. This would be funny if it wasn't so freaking tragic. The weirdest spring of my life continues with two inches of snow on Sunday here in the Midwest. 75 degrees out today, by the way. And then I, I wish I could screenshot it. The biggest swath blob of rain across the country I may have ever seen this past weekend. Cancellations left and right, postponements, everything, you name it. Wet, gray, soggy, gross outside. A reminder that April... Still kind of sucks for short track racing. This is Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live for Tuesday, April 16th. I am Michael Rigsby in the Dirt on Dirt studios alongside Derek Kessinger and Turn. Despite my slightly induced weather depression, can you see the tears in my eyes, Turn, by the way? Can you see them? Like, they're, they're there. They're like, real. Look at, look at, there's moisture. There is moisture right here. We did, despite all this, get a little bit of dirt late model racing in over the weekend. We'll hammer out the details in the next hour, including the fact that Jonathan Davenport, Jonathan Davenport, I'm kind of mad at him right now. I'm kind of mad at him, if I'm being honest. I think he's going to stink the whole thing up, Term. He's going to stink it up. I texted him afterwards at Hagerstown and told him that. I don't, I don't think he cared. I don't think he cared what I thought, to be quite honest. He just gave me the eye roll emoji. We were live from the Spring Nationals for the first time ever at Smoky Mountain this past weekend, where Dale McDowell continued to put together a sneaky, quietly good, classically good Dale McDowell early season. We will hit the headlines from that in the weekend in five things. Derek Kessinger is in studio with us again. People liked it, Turn. 
I know, I know you may and I have some questions about it. Exactly. But people like him in studio. We're going to keep rolling with this. Derek, give me two or three things from this past weekend, uh, some good notes, nuggets, uh, whatever that caught your eye. Kudos to Smoky Mountain. That race was uh, phenomenal, probably one of the better races I've seen all year. The battle between Ricky Weiss and Brandon Overton was phenomenal. And, uh, North, of course, Mac Daddy continue his domination. And then how about the local and regional guys representing at the Lucas shows this weekend? Trevor Feathers finished eighth. And Gene Knob, who started on the front row at Hagerstown, both good top ten runs. And then Colton Burdett had a tenth-place run at Atomic. I think more and more the local guys are catching up to the, you know, the big money bigger budget, you know, national touring uh, drivers. So I think maybe we see a few more regional guys like Ross Bales last weekend picking up national touring wins. It does seem like those guys are getting better and better. Those, I don't know, is regional the term? Lower budget? Not lower. What is it? Derek, what's the term? I like the regional. Regional guys? I like they're, regional. They're, they're regional racing guys. four or five tracks in that re- yeah, yeah, region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's three, four, five thousand wins. And they yeah. go to a national show when it comes in. The Colton Burnett one was very cool to me. I think it was Allie that did a good story on yeah, Colton. Yeah, it was great. Uh, after the weekend, I thought that was a good read. Uh, we'll kind of touch base on that later. A dirt wire item that Kevin Kovac picked up Sunday as well. That Kevin Rumley-Mike Marler partnership, the beginning of the season, they got a win uh, at Volusia, uh, that partnership is no more. Instead, now is a uh, Kevin Rumley-Tim McCready uh, partnership. T-Mac, is, when he's not in the 39 car, he'll be driving uh, in that Rumley machine. Kevin basically saying that they're going to look at it like this is an R&D car for Longhorn and for Bill Stein, and that's a bit of a conflict for Marler with his Integra Shocks tie-ins. I actually think, by the way, that Marler, Suave, and Ronnie Delk, as you saw them already pair together once this season, when the year was over last year, it was kind of like, okay, these two are going their separate ways and they're not going to race again. I actually think Marler and Delk are going to find their way back to each other this year. Yeah, and the crazy part was that Kevin Kovac broke that at Charlotte. That was kind of a shock to a lot of us. I think it might be maybe leading up to it or, you know, that Thursday before, you know, we got racing. That was pretty nuts. And we need those two back together because obviously they had a great, great run last year winning the championship one season ago. And yeah, the Rumley McCready partnerships uh, came out of nowhere too, I think. I mean, I really didn't hear any rumblings like that about that. But it's good to see those two guys. You'll see that six car, you know, the non uh you know Lucas races I would think so you would see him probably like Cedar Lake and you know the Prairie Dirt Classic and maybe some you know other uh races like that so we get to see uh Tim McCready you know racing more and more and we it's good for a sport to have the 39 car or in this case the six car out there racing you mentioned those races I hope that McCready does go to those big outlaw shows that are non-Lucas races with uh, Kevin, uh, yeah, it's possibly goes in his own stuff anyway. Did he skip Fairbury last year? Didn't he? McCready skipped Fairbury yeah, after, last year, you know, because they had that long stretch there. Right, and he had to get he had to go back, and I think they were uh, bar- bar- borrowing. Excuse me, uh, hauler. Well, that, that was so. a whole thing. Yeah, last the whole thing. With the hauler. That was <laughs> which, a- by the way, Kovac told me the day that uh, McCready's got a hauler now, so they don't have to you know hire a truck driver. I know. Uh, so it could be he'll be able to go to track to track and not have to worry about travel as They much had anymore. to be losing money in the long haul between hotels and truck drivers and flights and CDLs and blah, 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 blah. Um, you heard it in the open. It was, what did Dustin say? <laughs> they pulled in here on a, or no, maybe that's later in the show. I'm getting my video confused. It was la- It was the World 100 clip we're playing later in the show. Either way, I think it's going to be good. We'll see uh, We'll see Rumley and McCready. It's a bigger show. It's a very cool weekend coming up at Dirt on Dirt 2. You'll recall last year, we did a free broadcast from the Lucas Oil Race at Mansfield, free to all Dirt on Dirt subscribers, monthly or yearly. Big, big numbers that night. Tons of exposure for Cody and Mansfield. A very cool event. Well, guess what? We are doing that again this weekend with not one turn, but, but, two. How, but two. 
Two free broadcasts this weekend, the Atomic 100 at Atomic Speedway and the Brent Slocum Memorial, the Slocum 50 at 34 Raceway in Iowa. Both of those shows free for subscribers this weekend. That is a very cool... We've been planning this uh, since November, I think. Wasn't it, Turn? We kind of put this together. Uh, October, yeah. November, December, we were going to do these two shows live, which is uh, which is exciting. Um, you know, they're not mega productions, but you're going to see a couple of cameras, some clean uh, announcer audio feed, and some really good quality racing from both these places uh, this weekend. Free for subscribers. We'll preview both those, along with the 20000 This is a big race. $20,000 to win King of the Commonwealth in Virginia Motor Speedway as well as Chris Simpson, Tyler Carpenter, and Tyler Bear join us. And this week I am I am pumped. If I wanted to do this, but I was afraid I was sweating. I was afraid, am I sweating too bad? Eh, little, little moisture. Nothing bad there, but I'm pumped. I'm pumped about pay attention this week. NASCAR reporter and podcaster who works for NBC Sports, the incredibly successful Nate Ryan joins us to talk about one thing I've been noticing that I think is very much happening, NASCAR and dirt track racing moving closer and closer to each other. The two sides, particularly NASCAR coming back a little bit, seem to be paying attention to each other. I want to discuss that with Nate. Why is this happening? Is it good for the sport? Is it bad for the sport? Suave, you've got some thoughts on this. You made a point earlier about this why you think it's happening and tell me about that because I, I never really thought of it or hadn't and I think it's a really good point. Well, I think it's kind of in like uh, it's happened before like, you know, maybe 10 to 15 years ago when you had like Ken Schrader and uh, Kenny Wallace, they were going more in the dirt track racing and then Tony Stewart, that was probably 15 years ago now, bought Eldora Speedway. So you had those guys like coming in together. Well, then we had like this little period where there wasn't much going on between both the, you know, the NASCAR and the dirt track race. But now you got young talent like Kyle Larson, you know, uh, Christopher Bell. And then you have Tyler. I mean, Tyler Reddick. I'm pretty sure he won the championship last year. Yes. He started in yes. super late model racing. And then, you know, we talked to Nate. And he even mentions Bobby Pearson. He know how he followed him on Twitter just because, you know, yep. he raced in the truck series. But now he just wants to see how his career is doing. So I think. But your your point was the Kenny Wallace factor. I think that I wanted you to bring up. You you brought the Kenny's Twitter explosion. His that's been a big deal. I think. Oh yeah, because so just like Gateway, I think yeah. after that first year, at that morning after he was drinking his coffee, BSing like he always does, and <laughs> does his little short Facebook videos, and he was saying, you know, we need more of this. You know, like he did, it was just like a free social media for dirt track racing, and I also think it's free social media for NASCAR when you have guys like Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson going to a dirt track and trying to get those fans, you know, hey, man, you just won last night. Maybe I want to go see him race Sunday, you know, at Martinsville or something like that. So I think both the, you know, the crosshairs for both sports is uh, becoming closer and closer. And I, we've seen it before, but I think, you know, with social media and stuff, I think we're going to see it more and more. We've got, lock, we've got lock of the week. We've got five to go and so much more. But here we go. Show two from the new studio. Let's get it started with five things. Number one on five things, I'm worried, Derek. I am worried because I think JD is going to stink up the entire Lucas season. I texted him about this after Hagerstown. Like I said earlier, he only sent me back the eye roll emoji. Apparently, he doesn't care about my want for the dramatics. Saturday night at Hagerstown, JD, as Kevin Kovac put it in his story, glided to an easy win on the famous half mile, winning his heat dominating all 50 laps of the feature for really a rather easy $12,000 win. He won the title last year with that so-called super team of Jason Durham, Kevin Rumley, and driving for Lance Landers. They no longer have Kevin, but it doesn't seem to matter as they just keep rolling. I think we're staring at a flag-to-flag February-to-October 
Davenport title romp in the face. That is my prediction. I'm not sure anyone can touch him in a year-long hunt. He's only worried about the here and now, however, saying, well, this race car may have looked really good on Saturday night. It was harder than it appeared. I think it looked a little better than it felt. You know, I was uh, I was struggling in lap track. And once we had clean air, we was pretty good. I could kind of run my own line. And uh, th this place is so unique. You can chatter the back tires and get loose so easy here, um, especially running behind another car. But, uh, yeah, um, Tyler and Jason and Matt done a great job uh, working on this thing. And, uh, yeah, we had a pretty good piece. Just uh, thank goodness that caution come out. It was Jonathan's fifth win of the year and his 40th Lucas Oil victory overall. Cool milestone there. I keep talking about this points chase. He's 235 points up right now. And granted, the Lucas title is meant to ebb and flow a little bit, but I just don't see it. I don't see anyone beating him come October. He also earned his, he's also earned, I should say, $30,000 more than his next closest competitor so far. Number two on five things, Lucas Oil lost Sunday at Port Royal. They lost Friday at Sharon. So the only other race they got in on their four-race mega weekend was Thursday at Atomic. And it looked like, you see it right here, one of the Conley bunch was going to set the pace and maybe win it. But RJ slipped up on the opening lap, and that was that. As Jimmy Owens, he got a straightaway ahead in this one by lap 10. Brandon Shepard did reel him in a touch, but a yellow would come out and negate that. Sheppy had a pair of runner-ups on the weekend. And there was the Jason Jamison scare, as I was calling it, late in this race where 20 had to avoid 12 right there, just barely. But mainly, this was a walk for the Newport, Tennessee driver who got his first series win of the year after finishing no worse than sixth in six of his last seven races. And for him, it was finally nice to beat Brandon Shepard. Yeah, he did. He did. He's He's been tough all year. I mean, he's won a lot of races. He's always a factor. I mean, that, that whole team, they're just clicking real well, and they got their stuff together. But uh, I feel like our team's clicking pretty good, too, if we can just keep keep things rolling our way. Worth noting over the weekend, in 100 laps of action, there was only two leaders on the Lucas Tour, Jimmy and Jonathan. And if you go through our stories or listen to the sound bites, they all just keep preaching clean air, clean air, clean air, that when you are out front, these cars are so much more friendly to drive. I think we will continue to hear about clean air all season long as the go-to discussion point for 2019. Number three, as seen live on DirtOnDirt.com, Dale McDowell led every lap of the Spring Nationals at Smoky Mountain for his fourth win of the year. It's also his fourth win in three weeks. This one was interesting, though. Remember, Smoky Mountain has really worked on the track configuration, and it's provided some more side-by-side -side racing, and McDowell had to fight off not only Kyle Strickler in that new Wells number eight, but Brandon Overton as well. Brandon Overton actually took the lead right here going into three and four on this move. This is just a nasty crossover that he lays on him. And he gets the lead right there, but ugh, a yellow came out and negated that. So McDowell gets back to the top spot. But the moments of the race had to have been for second. Look at this. Overton and Ricky Weiss, I was watching this live, just throwing haymakers at each other. They did this for about five laps straight. Again, Smoky Mountain normally doesn't race like this, so it was just very cool. Look at this right here. It just didn't even look normal. Just crossing over like that. Absolutely loved it. Late in the race, they pulled back on McDowell's rear deck. It wasn't enough, though. The grizzled veteran still getting it done after all these years in the Southeast. Well, uh, we're a little bit different on, on what we're doing with the car, and uh, racetrack's a good bit different tonight because of the rain. So uh, I really think we, we were better in some conditions and worse like in the middle in the slick. So it kind of married me to the top, uh, which is uncharacteristic for me, but uh, I'm out of breath. Uh, but Shane, his teamwork there, Shane would tell me with the groove moving around, 
man, it makes uh, it makes awesome racing for the race fans. And I could kind of somewhat tell because there'd be crumbs in different lanes and different lanes would, would clean up. But uh, he would tell me kind of where to go and uh, down the back straightaway. So I just went where he told me and, and uh, you know, tried to, tried to confuse those guys because uh, it's a lot easier to run second and third than it is the lead. I talked about it at the beginning of the show, the giant blob of rain that was in the southeast and headed that direction. Smoky Mountain was in the crosshairs of that, but they never blinked. Roger Sellers and Casey, Mosers had a, Casey Moses had a plan and never blinked. They got the show in and it worked out. Tip of the hat to those guys for pulling it off. Number four, it's no two inches in Peoria, Illinois on Sunday, but on Saturday night, it wasn't half bad. About 50 degrees, plenty warm for the Chuck Hamilton Memorial and a pretty dang good field of late models at the quarter mile. Remember also... No Bobby Pierce on the national tour means he's going to stick around home for shows like this, these 5,000 wins, and he made it count. Pierce started on the pole, but he gave the lead up to Ryan Unzicker. I love the way Ryan's car looks this year, by the way. But he rallied back right here on the bottom, not the top, to get the lead and would uh, pretty well control it over the final few laps. This field was good. Bobby, Jason Fager, who had some bad luck again, Brian Shirley, Dennis Herb Jr., Billy Drake. It was a regional show, but this was not easy for the 32 car. Yeah, it, it definitely is a, it was a good weekend, but um, I don't know about Dominant there in the beginning. You know, Unzicker and Fager had me uh, pretty worried, so uh, I didn't know if I had to jump up top right away because going around there before we took the green, it felt a little slimy up there. So uh, I seen them roll around me, and you know, I knew I had to do something quick before the bottom took rubber, and luckily I just got around them both before it finally really started locking down, and then uh, just kind of took off from there. Pierce also won a 2,000 win, another stacked field at Tri-City on Friday night, making it a $7,000 weekend. And one of these years' turn, I'm going to get a race team to really let me dive into their financials and tell me this. Is it more profitable to stay around home and win a bunch or go on the road and get show-up money on a national tour? I'd love to have that answer because this year might be a good barometer for Bobby Pierce. Finally, number five. If only my son Derek would listen to me turn, play the clip from five to go last week and this pick should have been Derek Kessinger's lock of the week but he's a big dum-dum and he didn't pick it Kent Robinson gonna win this weekend book it take it to the bank a big dum-dum this isn't hard this is actually pretty easy Suave if you would just listen to me just as I predicted Kent Robinson wins 5,000 Saturday night in the Mars race at Brownstown he told us afterwards he thought he had it easily wrapped up but he drilled that hole in turn one you saw him hit it there a minute ago and he thinks he maybe blew a, a shock apart in the right front that allowed Devin Gilpin to battle him and actually Gilpin had the lead at one point in this race but K-Rob rallied and finally did get it done in the end overall just a damn good race between the one and the seven in southern Indiana yeah I uh I did. I was getting signals, you know, and I felt pretty good, uh, real good at the beginning there. And uh, and once he got back by me, I kind of rolled off into one right in that hole. And uh, I don't know if I blew something apart in the right front shock. I never felt the same after that. So I was struggling and then I uh, kind of got to, to Bailey there to lap. And I just I just was struggling. There's bottom line and just wasn't good enough when the air was dirty. And uh, I knew he was close, but I don't know how close it was there. Also wanted to give a shout out to Dean Carpenter from 11th to 3rd, the guy from Coldwater, Mississippi, who ran the Mars Tour last year, you may remember. This marked his best ever finish on the tour, according to Chris Tilley, and Chris Tilley knows all things Mars. He's a long way from home on this deal. Wanted to give Dean some love as well. Turn and suave, that was five things. Suave, you were pumping your fist at Dean Carpenter. He he did a hell tour stint here not that oh, long yeah. ago, didn't he? Yeah, he's always a hit or miss there. I'm pretty sure he flipped that Macon one time, so you got to give him a shout-out for having a good run there. Also, 
interesting to see Tony Toast and Jason Pappich at Peoria. So maybe I, just maybe they're uh, gonna adventure off and race in the Midwest like they did a few years ago. I think like when I first started Dirt on Dirt, like 2012 and 13, they ran a lot of the summer national races. So maybe we get those guys to come on the Hell Tour and hang out with me for a month. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, but that's just me, though. <laughs> These California guys hanging out with you. Suave, you sent me a photo on Saturday, and right after you gave it to me, I had this picture from no less than 15 people probably. Turn, toss it up there. It was Scott Bloomquist at Smoky Mountain in the wheelchair, his first public appearance, if you will, since his motorcycle wreck back uh, last month, of course, down near Daytona. Uh, sort of like Tiger winning the Masters, no matter what Zero does, uh, Suave, this one made big news. Even while not racing, I think this was the most talked about thing in our social media universe this weekend, look at the sock, too. No shoe swab, not afraid of the cold. I, was anything more talked about than this, despite the actual racing that happened? No, it's Bloomer being Bloomer, and you use the golf reference. When Tiger Woods was out <laughs> and not playing in any of the majors, they still talked about Tiger. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Scott Bloomquist makes the news. And just like any other you know, famous athlete, when they're hurt and you see that first public picture yeah, yeah. of them at a racetrack you know, or at a sporting event, it goes, but it goes bonkers, and Scott Bloomquist this weekend blew up the internet once again. It must not be able to get the shoe on with the swelling or something like <laughs> I that. I thought it was yeah, a little risky so. out there. If you have to like put the foot down to, to Dr. move Rigsby the wheels. Dr. Rigsby over here. Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm just <laughs> hypothesizing here. But I was worried about the red clay getting on the black sock. You know, I mean, Scott, I'm just looking out for you, man. Just somebody there, help him out with the shoe or something like that. You know. <laughs> It had to be the swelling, right? The swelling? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I've broken my foot before. You, can't, you, you know, now that I think about it, I don't think I had my shoe on either. So last week on this show, I gave Dirt Track fans turn. I gave him a stern talking to. I gave him a stern talking. Like I turned on, I have to talk to you that way sometimes? Sometimes. Once in a while. As many of, <laughs> many of them seem to revel in the fact that NASCAR's Bristol crowd was down a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned to them that there were still probably, what, 50, 45, 50,000 people at Bristol. That would still be double double the largest dirt late model crowd of the entire year. So let's not get too carried away about being excited about small crowd numbers for NASCAR. And also when NASCAR is better, dirt track racing is better in my opinion. But to my bigger point, I foreshadowed for this week, there's something going on out there where NASCAR and dirt track racing are coming closer and closer together, be it Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell or Clint Boyer owning a NASCAR, Clint Boyer owning a dirt late model team. That is or the fact that reporters, a lot of these guys on Twitter and NASCAR reporters like Jeff Gluck and Matt Weaver and Nate Ryan, they are starting to really pay attention to dirt track racing more and more than they ever have. There's something brewing out there, and I wanted to flush that idea out a little more on the show this week, and that's what we're paying attention to. Turn, we could have gone a lot of different directions for pay attention this week, but I think we have landed in what I consider the perfect spot. Joining me now in the Integra Shocks and Springs hotline is NBC Sports NASCAR reporter and on-air talent Nate Ryan, who is kind enough to give us a few minutes this week. Nate, the idea for me is pretty simple. As someone who lives and breathes dirt late model racing but pays attention to other forms of dirt track racing, I think quite simply that NASCAR is now paying attention more and more to what we have been doing, whether it's Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell or the, the truck race at Eldora or whatever the reason. There's a bit more of a connection between these two, and I'm using air quotes now, these two industries, if you will. That is my point of view. From where you sit, Nate, am I right about that? 
Why am I right about that? And is this happening, this, this marriage coming closer and closer together between dirt track racing and NASCAR? You are 100% <laughs> right about that, Michael, and I think you detailed the two major reasons. One is the truck race at Eldora, which I believe has been a phenomenal success since its debut in 2013. That has become an annual celebration of dirt racing, and it was a great move by NASCAR and by Eldora Speedway to, to have that marriage at that track uh, after pretty much a 40-something year absence from a NASCAR National Series racing on dirt. There were a lot of questions about if it was going to work or not. I would argue that it has worked tremendously. I think focusing on whether it's not going to work is probably one of the, the hang-ups that, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, stock car ra- the stock car racing industry gets into that I think is a detriment. I, I think Eldora has showed the way that you need to worry about less about why it's not going to work and why it will work and what all of the benefits will be from that. And then and, you know, the reason why it's become such a, a conversation the last two years, you just hit on it. I mean, Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, um, one is, I would argue, an emerging champion um, in Kyle Larson, and one certainly seems like he could be a future champion in Christopher Bell. Um, you know, both of them budding uh, stars, potentially superstars in NASCAR, and both of them evangelizing about how much they love dirt. And obviously NASCAR fans – and media and the industry as as it's taken to kind of following these guys and learning about where they're from, we watch those dirt races. I mean, NBCSports.com does daily reports during the Chili Bowl, I would argue almost solely because Kyle Larson is a part of it every year, and now the last few years with Christopher Bell having his success there, that's made it even more of a storyline. And NASCAR itself has become more uh, embracing of uh, and and more accepting, I think, of of dirt racing culture. And Steve Phelps, who took over as president last October, went out of his way, I thought, in his first address with reporters to say, hey, uh, we want Kyle Larson out there talking about dirt racing. We want to reach those fans and have them get exposed to NASCAR the way NASCAR is getting exposed to dirt racing as well. And it hasn't always been that way. And there have been NASCAR executives who have been upset about the way Larson has talked about dirt racing. So long answer to your question, Michael, but all of those factors are why I think you're right that the marriage between dirt racing and NASCAR is is happening. It's obviously no secret that NASCAR is in a little bit of a, a change period or a transition period now, if you will, from attendance figures to figuring out the future of their TV deal to their OTT platforms, uh, less employees than they once had per se, and in general, less people like yourself. It's, it's no secret there are less NASCAR reporters than there once were. So part of my theory is this whole melding of dirt and NASCAR together is the uh, even yourself a little bit and the Jeff Glucks of the world and the Matt Weavers of the world have had that they've sort of had to look elsewhere, if you will, to find things to cover. And they realize that it wasn't that far of a leap uh, to dirt track racing. Does that flush out a little bit too? And even yourself having Roger Slack, the general manager of Eldora on your podcast that, you know, there was maybe not less NASCAR to cover, but all of a sudden these reporters' eyes were opened up to these other things and they had to kind of go find something else. And, and some of them, like Jeff and Matt and you, have landed on dirt. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's completely correct. And I also think that uh, the reception that the NASCAR community has gotten from the dirt world has been a big part of that. I mean, I've covered Eldora probably four or five times. I've uh, gotten to know Roger fairly well. And uh, he has been, you know, he's obviously not a necessarily a lifelong dirt person. I mean, he spent some time at, in, you know, the Charlotte Motor Speedway SMI world and, and knows his way around NASCAR very well. And, and that helps for him to be an ambassador to dirt racing. But 
I've found those also who have been around dirt their entire lives who have been really receptive. And I know, you know, Jeff Gluck is a former coworker of mine, a friend of mine, and I know that he speaks highly of every dirt racing experience he has. I mean, he's been to Knoxville um, to cover the sprint car races at that hugely prestigious track. And uh, I have not had that opportunity, but Gluck has, and, and he talks all the time about just what a great experience it is, partially because uh, there's no there's not that schism that I think there there has been previously in the auto racing world. And I, I see that across all series, Michael. I mean, I see it at NASCAR and IndyCar. I was at the Long Beach Grand Prix this past weekend, and I heard that narrative from the IndyCar people as well, that all of racing, I think, realizes it's facing a relevance problem. And, you know, going forward with the car culture and, and how people's attention spans and, you know, what kids want to consume, all of that is changing. And I think there is a sense that, you know, a rising tide does lift all boats and it's time for racing series to stop working against each other and kind of be more accepting of the differences and work together to try to build audience uh, going into the 21st century. I can't wait to tell my wife that you use the term the rising tide lifts all boats. I say the term the water and the boats rise together all the time. Like literally she is exhausted from hearing me say it. So finally someone has vindicated me and actually used the same term that I have. So... Um, Nate, as you know, we're a dirt late model uh, website specifically. We exclusively cover late model racing. So I want to park it there for a second. As you pass through the garage or you spend time with other NASCAR reporters or NASCAR personalities or drivers or whatever it is, what are the general thoughts on dirt late model racing specifically? I know that's a bit of a broad question, and Larson and Bell predominantly live in the open wheel world, but I'd love to hear you answer that. Just as you hear about late model racing, what do you hear? I don't hear anything negative about it. I mean, I believe does Clint Boyer still own? He does. Two teams, yes, sir. Yeah. So, and there, it's not just Bell and Larson that you hear it from. I mean, I've I've had conversations and heard Boyer talk about it with other people as well. That you know, he sings its praises, and uh, I just think. You know, I am. I don't want to come off as like, uh, you know, spreading the gospel of dirt <laughs> at, at all corners when I really don't know a lot about it. I've never been to, well, I've been to maybe one or two dirt late model races as like support events, but I've never been to a track solely to attend a dirt late, late model race. So I want to come off as like someone who knows everything about that series and that community and its history. But I can tell you in NASCAR that I don't hear anything negative about it. I mean, I, I usually hear positive things. And I, I am someone who is a believer that, you know, NASCAR needs to move more in that direction. I think Eldora should just be the start. I would love to see them try a cup race on dirt with maybe dirt late model races in support of it. I think that would be terrific. I know there are, again, a lot of hurdles to overcome to, to reach that point, but I do feel as if, uh, you know, the tide is shifting there, that, uh, that there is uh, – a few years ago, I don't think you would have gotten people in NASCAR even wanting to entertain the notion of a stock car race, a national stock car race on dirt outside of trucks at Eldora. And now that, re- that barrier really is coming down a lot. I mean, I asked Kyle Larson at Eldora, for, I think, three or four years ago when he won the truck race there if he thought – Cup and Nick Sandy would work there. And he said flat out no. And I, I'm seeing that opinion, I feel like, shift a little bit. And I think it is because of, you know, NASCAR has a lot of dirt fans. And maybe they don't talk about it all the time, but 
Um, I, I think that the reputation of, of sprint cars and dirt late model racing, I think all of those is, is fairly held in you know good standing in NASCAR. Last question, Nader, or one of my last questions, I should say, where does this go overall? I keep calling it a marriage. If we're forecasting five years out, 10 years out, what might Nate Ryan and Michael Rigsby be talking about five years from now and 10 years from now as these two continue this collision course towards each other? Where, where do you forecast this going? Uh, you know, I certainly hope that we're talking about a cup race five or 10 years from now on dirt for the first time. Uh, I, I, don't think that's wishful thinking again like it was a few years ago. I think that is something we could be talking about in the future. You know, in terms of um, how that marriage can be further expanded, I mean, there's certainly there are going to be limits because I understand those who say, you, you know, you can't have too much of a supposed good thing. And, you know, I'm not, certainly not advocating that NASCAR move away from pavement asphalt entirely to dirt racing, but I would love to see maybe one or two more races um, as part of Truck Xfinity Cup, I think that would work well. And, you know, building on that, I, I would love to start following or seeing more coverage. I think you could see this five or ten years from now, more coverage of, of prospects on the dirt late model side and, and potentially there being more crossover there. I mean, there are some guys who I follow on Twitter because they raced in the Eldora truck race. Um, and, and, you know, now I still follow them on Twitter because – you know, I, I liked how they did in that truck race. I want to kind of keep up with their career, and I'd like to try to do more of that. I mean, I, I believe, is Bobby Pierce considered part of that community? He, um, not only a part of this community, a, 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 mega, a megawatt star in this community, yes. He, he's a big you know, deal, right? I, see, I'm, I'm revealing my ignorance there, Michael, but that, that's somebody <laughs> I've been following on Twitter since he finished, I believe, what, second in the Eldora truck race, I yes, think, sir. in yep. 15 or 16. So, I mean, there's somebody who I, I wouldn't know about if not, for his performance there. And I've continued kind of like keeping a watchful eye, perhaps not as watchful as I should, as I'm uh, a little bit, again, ignorant to his <laughs> results and record, but I know he's good. And uh, I'd love to see more of that crossover and more of like people on both sides of the fence kind of understanding, um, you know, who's coming up, who's good and, and how they can both kind of maybe compete on both sides of the fence. A couple of quick hitters to end it. Can I get you to a couple of dirt late model races this year? We'll handle the credentials. We'll <laughs> handle all that. Can I get you to a few of these, but especially Eldora, the world 100, the biggest race on the planet uh, for our sport maybe nate maybe I, I would i would love to get there someday uh, michael i don't know if it will happen i mean certainly uh i've told roger that i would love to to be there i mean i've never been to an out well i take that back i've been to one outlaws race in my in my life um so yeah i would like to get to more dirt races and i would love to do uh the late model scene and and see what that's like see see world 100 or something like it depends on scheduling of course so if you can look at the nascar schedule and and find some places where you think it might sync up i will do my best and i'll make sure <laughs> roger credentials you he'll probably make you pay to get in i'll make sure you're on the credential <laughs> list all right uh, last help. thing uh, i was looking as uh, my wife just happened to be sitting with me a couple of days ago and I was putting this interview together and she looked over my shoulder at your Twitter profile, occasional indie rock musings. So my wife is a huge <laughs> indie rock fan. She wanted to know your favorite indie rock band is what she wanted to know before I closed oh, this interview. That's, that's a tough one. It kind of varies. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie, I think, would still be considered in the indie rock vein. That would be high on my list. I've been listening to a lot of Vampire Weekend. Oh, yeah, of um, course. Lately. Yeah, so, so that would be high on the list. And then my, my all-time favorite, uh, The Replacements. 
uh, college rock 80s darlings. That would probably be my indie rock staple. This has got to be the only interview in the history where Vampire Weekend and Bobby Pierce were mentioned in the same like, 30 <laughs> seconds span. Let's, let's so. hope there's more, just like NASCAR and Dirt. <laughs> exactly. Good good way to finish it. He covers NASCAR and all of auto racing for NBC Sports. You can find him on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. Nate, thank you so much for joining us, man. Roger kind of hooked us up and thought you'd be perfect for this segment, and he could not have been more right. We really appreciate it, and I hope we get to do this again. Uh, as, as these two worlds continue to head towards each other, I'd love to have you on again uh, sometime, man. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Michael. It's a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Turn, let's hope the audience plays nice with us here. Twitter question tonight is this. Are NASCAR and dirt track racing, are they growing closer? I want to hear what the people have to say. If so, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I have a feeling we're going to have some negative subscribers, as we always do. Tell us why. At Dirt on Dirt, hashtag Late Model Live. We'll find out what they have to say after this. Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live, back after the break. Tyler Erb is best on the first race of the year, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. Tyler Erb dominant in night number two of the Winter Nationals. He picks up his third victory of the season. For the 38th time in his career, for the second straight night and the 39th time in his career, for the third straight night, Brandon Shepard will make history at the 48th Annual Dirt Car Nationals. He wins all four World of Outlaws events. best product on the market. I mean, we've had zero failures. We've never had a failure. Great people to work with, got the best hands on the market. FK Rodings on everybody's stuff. Um, she sponsors events, but anybody that knows anything to do with racing knows FK Rodings, that's for sure. I think it means a lot when you got people behind you that stand behind you and believe in what you're doing. Uh, like I said, it just makes for everybody to have pretty good success. Automotive has franchise for Ford, Kia, Chevy, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. We cover heavy-duty hauling or vehicles for the driving enthusiast. At any Mark Martin location, you'll find a large selection, variety, and great prices. MarkMartinAutomotive.com gives you 24-hour access to every location. Browse inventory, apply for credit, and schedule your delivery. We can arrange for delivery anywhere in the U.S. or pick you up at an airport. Give us a chance to earn your business, and you'll see why everyone wins at Mark Martin. Michael's gonna take all the Easter Bunny's eggs back to Douglasville, Georgia, in the form of a big $5,000 payday. The announcer's a little early on Easter, by the way. A week, a week, <laughs> early, a week early on Easter there. You know what's not shocking? Michael Page winning at Dixie, especially leading every lap, winning $5,000 and going unchallenged. The 18 did it again at Woodstock this weekend. Five grand for Page. 
in another early season victory. NASCAR plus dirt track racing, match made in heaven. Do people like it? Do people want more of it? I've always argued a little bit that these are exactly, they're not exactly the same audience, I guess is what I'm trying to say. These are a little bit different audiences here. There is a subsect of dirt track fans that like NASCAR and vice versa, NASCAR and dirt, but these are a little bit different groups. So when you say, oh, well, these two have always been tied at the hip, I disagree with that. I'm a guy that's never been a NASCAR fan, really, and I'm a huge Dirt Late Model fan. Uh, so let's see the answers to those Twitter questions. I'm going to let Derek Kessinger take the first one. NASCAR and Dirt, do we like it? Do we not? Derek, uh, Derek to Derek, you take the first one here. At Dirt on Dirt, it might be closer than it's been in a while, but until there are more teams able to compete regularly on a Premier Series, it'll be hard. Not knowing who will show up to the track is part of what makes our sport great but could be seen as a downfall to NASCAR fans. Hashtag late model live. Hashtag late model live. Uh, Turny Taren, you take the next one from Michael look, look Altman. Look at this. We're matching names here. Uh, Michael Altman yes. uh, says, in a way, yes, and yes, it can be good. To, can be a good thing if both can learn from the other's strengths and avoid the other's mistakes. So, I, I mean, I get that. I will, I will take the next one, which is from Michael. Oh, no. Oh, some guy named Kenny Wallace. Uh, Kenny Wallace says, yes, NASCAR and Dirt is growing closer. It's a good thing because both fans interact. It helps a lot when Seabell Racing and Kyle Larson Racing and many more go dirt racing. Hashtag Late Model Live. I think that Kenny hit on it again, uh, just like we talked about with Nate. Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, if we look back 20 years from now, will be a big uh, a big switch flip. I'll take the next one, too. Uh, the next one from another Mike. Am I looking at Okay, we're debating how how to pronounce this person's <laughs> name. Mike Bellafleule. Mike Mike Bellafleule. <laughs> what is it, turd? I'm I'm not even going to take a stab. I think NASCAR's issue is there's too many kids with money than there are drivers with talent. The cost of it took away the passion of the garage do-it-yourselfer, and now you're getting super late model teams owned with unlimited budget. Therefore, I see it getting to where NASCAR is now. I hear that a lot. Too much money being spent. Uh, talent doesn't match the level of performance, or excuse me, the, the money given behind a certain driver doesn't match the level of performance. You hear that a lot. It was a problem in NASCAR. Let's hope it does not become a problem in late model. Suave, you're up. Skyro Looney says, I think they are the technology days out of this world. Both, most big teams have hired engineers working for them. It's getting harder and harder for the average Joe to do it anymore. Hashtag late model live. Speaking of the average Joe, Kevin Weaver with a win this past weekend, Derek. I, know I mean, he's, big, he's big, still folklore. He's still getting wins. Turn, do we got any left? How many we got nope, left? That's it. That is it. So there you have it. NASCAR and dirt to me. Uh, you heard Nate talk about it. Uh, you heard Derek, myself talk about it. Derek, Derek has a point. Derek's raising his hand across the studio. So <laughs> okay, the ahead. one thing is in any sport or anything competitive, this money thing or, you know, going out to get resources, I just don't agree with that. If your kid wants to be a golfer or plays baseball and he's good, you're going to send him to camps and spend money at camps. So I just, I don't know. That, that gets me the most fired up. Yes, it might be getting more and more for an average Joe to compete in this, but this is, you know, becoming a professional sport. And if you want to do it and you want to spend the money and resources, I don't see why you can't. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you here a little bit. It's The difference is this. To get to the NBA, to the NFL, or whatever, eventually talent trumps all, right? Like, you can't, like... I can't, my dad couldn't have sent me to camps enough and I just get to hang around the NFL and hang around the NFL. Eventually, I will get literally killed on the field and I will not be held on a roster. In NASCAR racing, if you have enough money, I could compete every Sunday for the rest of my life in NASCAR. So that's the difference to me. Money can keep you in NASCAR. Only talent can keep you in professional sports. Turn, can I get an amen? Amen? Am I right I, about that, though? Like, I mean, I see your point. I mean, for sure. Like, I'm wondering... Uh... 
But I the wonder, only competitive people that wants their kid to be in NASCAR are going to be the ones spending money, not know, like, my dad's not going to spend all this money to do this. But there are dads that do it, I think, right? Like, But just, there's dads that do that for other sports, but get not, their kid to do it. But you can't, eventually, what I'm saying, my dad could pay all the money he wanted. Eventually, a general manager in the NFL is going to go, you're terrible. Like, I just can't, you can't be, you're no good at this, you can't do that. I don't think there's that filter in NASCAR. I think in NASCAR, you can just hang around forever. I think as long as you have a dad willing to spend the money, they will let you, Joe Gibbs or Hendrick or whoever it is, will let you literally have, have them around forever. Am I crazy or not, Turn? You're a NASCAR guy. I mean, I, I see that. Uh, do, do you think that applies to late model racing, though? Yeah. Like, could somebody stick it, around forever? I think it, oh, sure. Late model racing is cheaper than NASCAR. Why not? Eventually, I think not winning, they get disinterested and they leave the sport. But yeah, I think you can hang around forever if you wanted to. If you have the money to spend, you can enter every event. It does not work that way in, in Major League Baseball and the NFL and everything else, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess you have a good point there. So it's, I mean, essentially, you can stay around forever, especially yeah. maybe even more so in late model racing because it's it's much cheaper to own yes. a late model team than it is a NASCAR and team. Can, yes. And you could drive uh, until you're like 70 You can drive until you're 60. I mean, everything allows you to stick around forever. Everything allows you to do this as long as you want to do it. That's why I always, my wife's a music lover. I'm a sports lover. The two get compared. The reason I love sports over music more is because in music, you can auto-tune yourself into a top 40 record. You can take, these agents take kids and package them up and deliver them to us. It doesn't work that way in sports. In sports, you've either got it or you don't. You either have the talent or you don't. It's the last, one of the last great Darwinian things that we've got. I know, but if, if you, if you're, maybe in basketball is the one sport, but in the other sports, if you, you know, get the money and can go to all these camps. You're more like more and more likely to get the chance to go on to the better and bigger things. Yeah, That's but just... eventually, yeah, you're you're a guy, and you, Derek, you coach basketball, so you get it. But eventually, camps are only going to get you so far. You've got to have the talent. Oh yes, for sure. But I just I just think that just like in anything to be competitive, you're going to have to spend money. But to your point, I think we're just arguing a little bit differently. I'm saying how you have a chance of getting there, but like you said, to stay there, if you have the money in NASCAR, then obviously you can stay there. Unlike in an actual professional sport. So I do agree with you there. 48 minutes into the I wanna, show, Derek <laughs> says, I am correct about everything ever. Yes. Got uh-huh. it. Uh, turn, go ahead. In a way. <laughs> so I want to make a point. I think it was the last tweet here. Let me, let me pull it up real quick, real quick and look at it. Uh, so the, the technology and how they're saying that the average Joe isn't going to be able to compete. I would make the argument here that in late model racing, if you go to a track like Macon, a, guy, a lower budget team is going to be more competitive than if you go somewhere like Knoxville or something that's sure. more, I mean, motor dependent sure, and sure, aero dependent, all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know if we're going the way of NASCAR. I don't think I don't think the competitiveness is going to drop as drastically. If that makes sense, I think yeah. there's more guys that win in late model racing than in NASCAR that you see. Well, you're also racing more times every weekend. I know, I but guess. I guess I think it's more, uh, you know, uh, even even playing field in late model racing than it is in NASCAR. Because look at the Big budget teams. I mean, Kyle Busch is winning every week. Kevin Harvick's winning championships. Your boy Brad Kozlowski wins championships. Yeah, you can't start and park in late model racing. Yeah, you for could, sure. but it would you'd make like three hundred dollars a night. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not gonna yeah. work. So, all right, enough of me being correct. Enough. I mean, we could do this. <laughs> we could do this over and over, and I'm just right about everything. Uh, Brandon Shepard was a unanimous number one last week in our Bill Stein Shocks Top Twenty Five. He did get two seconds in two Lucas races on Friday and Saturday, Friday and Saturday, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, So maybe that unanimous ranking holds? Does it hold? Let's take a look at this week's Bill Stein Shocks Top 25. No, 
He does not hold. Jonathan Davenport's victory is worth at least two first-place votes as Sheppy, J.D., Owens, and Tyler Erb. Uh, and Dale McDowell round out your top five. Dale McDowell moves up a couple of spots, and uh, Tyler Erb falls when Jimmy Owens all the way up to number three, Derek. Yeah, I had I put him there at number three this week, but I guess, uh, Fergie, you can't be mad now because if you win a race, you still go down. Bobby Pierce, he won a race, two races this past weekend, and he still went down. So I was, was going to bring yeah. this up, but yeah, Chris Madden doesn't really didn't really compete much, or so obviously he drops. But Bobby Pierce wins two races, seven thousand dollars total, and moves down. Come on, top twenty-five voters, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Pierce and Richards and Moran hold tight at eight. 9 and 10. 11 through 20. A lot of NCs. No changes on there from Lanigan, Shirley, and O'Neill at the top there. Ricky Weiss does get bumped up a couple of spots on his good run at the Spring Nationals. But Tim McCready, uh, all the way up five spots from 20th, Derek, all the way to 15th is Mike Marler. Boy, people took the rumbly news hard for Mikey. Seven spots, Derek. He tumbles all the way to 20. Yeah, you don't race, and I guess you get moved down a little bit. And uh, Can we ever see a Michael Page flirt with a top 10 voting? Because I feel like every year he's he's going from like, you know, the 22 to 24 range, but now he's getting up into the top 20, closer to the top 15 range. If he keeps picking off victories in the Southeast, he will be there, I'd say, within a couple of weeks. Uh, him and Shane Clanton tied for 17th in the poll. In turn, you are always responsible for telling us who's new in the poll this week. We've got one, an old guy who's a new one in the poll. Scrub. Rick Eckert, Scrub. new guy at 24 this new week. New guy at 24 is Bales Overton Moyer. Do not move. Tanner English down one spot. Rick Eckert is in. No sign of Chris Ferguson yet. Um... Direct that hate mail to Derek at DirtOnDirt.com. <laughs> uh, we have three big races coming up this weekend, two of which will be live at DirtOnDirt.com. Virginia Motor, uh, 34 Raceway, and the Atomic 100. Had three guests that we used to preview those this week, from Chris Simpson to Tyler Carpenter and Tyler Bear. I didn't want to make them all wait on hold at the same time. Part of me wanted to amuse myself and make them listen to each other's interviews, uh, but we did not do it that way. We broke them up individually, and we will start first uh, with Chris Simpson. This is one of those weekends that I eyeball every year on the calendar. Easter weekend in dirt late model racing, one of the rare times when both national series are off. And it's really been that way almost my whole life. Very rarely, whether it's Have a Tampa Stars, Lucas Oil World of Atlas, whoever it was, rarely did these tours race on Easter weekend. Both those guys are off. And so you get that A, are many of these guys going to race, the guys that run the national tours? And B, if they do race, where are they going to go? The mainstream options are pretty clear this weekend. $20,000 to win at the King of the Commonwealth at Virginia Motor Speedway. $10,555 to win at the Slocum 50 at 34 Raceway in West Burlington, Iowa. And $10,000 to win at the Atomic 100 at Atomic Speedway. How busy is Brad McCown right now? He had a Lucas race. I think I talk about it later. I think Ian Lucas raced like 11 days ago, <laughs> 10 days ago. Guy is busy right now. A reminder that two of those races, the Slocum and the Atomic Race, can be seen live and for free. Turn, what's better than free? Nothing. Nothing is better than free. Free if you're a Dirt on Dirt subscriber at DirtOnDirt.com. Monthly or yearly, Atomic and the Slocum, both free. If you're a DirtOnDirt.com subscriber this weekend, you can click, log in, watch both these events, and it will cost you absolutely nothing if you're already a Dirt on Dirt subscriber. Let's go full-blown preview mode now, starting with the Slocum, parked on the Integra Shocks and Springs hotline, is Iowa native Chris Simpson. Chris, the Slocum is one of those early season races that I love. You never really know who's going to show up for this race. Usually most of the best Midwestern guys, Shannon Babb, Bobby Pierce, yourself, your brother are there. The Slocum's kind of a, a neat old school event, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, we've, uh, I think the last three or four years, we've 
got to be part of it um, before it was all IMCA. So to to have them switch that over to open late models is cool, and uh, I, you know it's one of the best tracks in Iowa. So to to be able to go down there and and uh, you know it's, it's a famous track. You know Johnny Johnson owned it, yeah. and then you know now Jeff, Brad and Jesse own it. So uh, it's cool to go down there every year. You absolutely nailed my next question. I think that 34 Raceway is one of the most undervalued tracks, not only maybe in Iowa but in the entire country. It's a good facility. The racing is usually very good. It's in a very neat town, West Burlington and Burlington. Those river towns are so cool there. Help me out here and fight a little bit for 34. It's a track that deserves more love on a national scale, doesn't it? It's a very good facility, very good racetrack. I think it does. I mean, we've, uh, you know, Lucas would go there, um, you know, probably whatever, seven, eight years ago, and we'd always go down to that race. And I honestly thought it was you know, obviously I've always run pretty decent there, but it's always racy, you know, it's hard to, you know, come by a track that has, you know, one wall, uh, the other corner has no wall and you're kind of early on, it's kind of rim riding a little bit. And then throughout the feature, kind of the track kind of moves around last year, I run around the bottom and got the lead and then, um, Bab snuck by me right through the middle towards the top. So it's, you know, you can't ask for much more than that. Arizona, LaSalle, Farmer City. That's all you've gotten in so far this year. And you actually joked with me. I, th I think it was, yeah, not LaSalle. It was a Farmer City. You joked with me. You said, I am not racing until April next year. Although Arizona's almost spring training, so that doesn't really count. Do you know enough from Arizona, Farmer City, and LaSalle to know anything about Chris Simpson and 2019? Do you have enough of a sample size yet to kind of tell you what you've got in the box so far this year? Uh, no, 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 not really. I mean... <laughs> We went to Arizona with a black diamond and a longhorn and uh, kind of struggled out there. It wasn't very good. Got in a wreck there uh, later in the week and uh, came home, sold everything I had. Uh, went down to Richards and bought a rocket and went to LaSalle, run good. Uh, had a chance to win that race and then went to Farmer City, a track that I am not very good at. I'm nothing against the track, um, but I'm... I was like, ah, oh, you know, I got a new car, go over there and, and see what we can do. And, uh, definitely struggled. I mean, I, I think I was going to be okay in the B main to make the big show and then got in there and hit the hole and bicycled, and broke the J bar. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like we got a good piece. Mark's been really helping me. We're going to go do a little testing later this evening and, uh, try and figure some more stuff out on it. But, uh, I mean, I think, I think we're going to be in contention. It's just for me to get the exact feel I need. I think it's going to take a few more races, but hopefully uh, hopefully it just takes one or two so we can be up front here in the next two nights. Last question I want to ask you is, what was your level of depression when you saw the snow this past, I guess it was Sunday, uh, the, the never-ending winter, the crappy weather we've had? Where was the Simpson level of depression when it snowed yet again in the Midwest on Sunday? Uh, it's been a crazy winter. Yes. That's what I keep telling. You know, I mean, you got to give it for these guys like Izzo and those guys that that work their butt off to try and do these early shows. But Burkhoffer told me five years ago, he's like, "Listen, we don't need to race till May, and we need to race till November." And I'm like, I think the older I get, I I just talked to him the other day, and I'm like, you know what, you were right about that. I'm like, we literally don't need to race till May, and we, you know, race later in the year. Um, but I mean, 
it just it's it's hard on equipment it's hard on i mean we've been to three racetracks i've been to arizona which you're not going to get stuck out there which i guess we almost did get stuck as much as it rained right um but then you then you go to LaSalle and got stuck in the out there and then went to farmer city and got buried and (laughs) didn't make the show was done by nine o'clock and loaded and didn't get pulled out till midnight so it's like it's like we just uh i was kind of looking forward to go to wheatland because i was like there ain't no way we're getting stuck there but that deal didn't happen. So hopefully, um, you know, I'm excited for the year. We've got a lot of great sponsors, Hoker Trucking, um, Nutrient Ag, um, Brandy Davidson Trucking, Superior Cleaning, Five Star Shop Service, uh, Billy Franklin stepped on this year, IITI. So Simpson Farms, everybody who helps me out, uh, couldn't do it without them, that's for sure. I said it was my last question, but I do have someone here with me, uh, good old D-Suave, Derek Kessinger, who'd like to get in a bonus question. Derek, if this question it can be about anything but Amanda Simpson, Chris's wife, Derek, go. <laughs> well, first off, Chris, uh, you know, she came up to me at Knoxville and wanted to take the picture. It wasn't like me. I was begging <laughs> to take the photo. So you don't have to worry about that. I got a beautiful lady at home, so you got uh, no competition. Yeah, I'm sure he's me. real worried. I'm sure he's still no, I just, it's all. I just... Uh, I love you guys. Your whole family's awesome. And, you know, she comes up to me and talks to me, and obviously we kick the shit at the racetrack, and obviously I still owe you some beers. So will you forgive me, and one day I'll eventually give Do you not forgive your cold him, beer. Please Simpson. forgive me. Do not forgive him about no, the beer. This man. is two years running now. It is two years running, but uh, uh, if you guys know me very good, I usually don't go to the tra- racetrack without some beer in the truck. So. <laughs> Usually I'm pretty good, but no, it's, it's fun. It's like, you guys are like second family to us at the racetrack. So, uh, it's cool to spend all winter with the family at home and then get to see all you guys and, and have fun and have a few beers afterwards. So, uh, definitely appreciate all you guys do and, and enjoy having you around. Chris, he already has one uh, girlfriend that's too good looking for him. Your wife would be too. He could never juggle two women that are too good looking for him. So you really don't have anything. (laughs) Chris Simpson will be at 34 Raceway this weekend for the Slocum 50, and you can watch that live right here with a subscription at DirtOnDirt.com. Chris, good luck this weekend, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I think that's the first time ever kick the shit has been used on dirt on dirt.com too, by the way, Suave. I, I love using that phrase. Uh, bouncing from one interview to another, we're just chalked full of content on the show tonight. Like I said, the Atomic 100 this weekend. Now we get into the hair guests on the show, Tyler Carpenter and Tyler Bear coming up. Uh, first, starting with uh, the young kryptonite race car guy, Tyler Carpenter. Nine days after hosting Lucas Oil for twelve grand, Brad McCown at Atomic Speedway says, you know what, why not? Let's do a 10000 to win unsanctioned race as well. The first ever Atomic 100, 100 laps at Chillicothe, Ohio's track this weekend. Tyler Carpenter joins us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline. Tyler, you were just there for the Lucas race a couple of days ago, nine days ago to be exact, and you got 16th in that race. I'm guessing not exactly what you wanted, or the race wasn't nine days ago, I should say. It was this past Thursday, but it, it will be. Uh, why will this weekend go better, you think? You got 16th in the Lucas race. Why is this weekend going to go better for Tyler Carpenter? I, I just need more time on the track, man. Like I say, the, I was actually a better than a 16th place car at Atomic uh, in the Lucas Oil race, which you're running with a heck of a group of guys there. And uh, I don't know, just, just use the tires up too soon and uh, push the right front tire off was a lot of my problem. I had to start running sideways to keep the front end from pushing out on me. And uh, I just think I just need to be use a little more strategy for a long distance race. And I just think being unsanctioned, you know, it gives a, gives a little guy a better chance. And 
I'm not saying we ain't going to win, but you just never know. I mean, I'm going, I'm going for it regardless. Is Atomic, I don't know if it's your favorite racetrack. I've never asked you that question before, but it seems like you're always in the mix at Atomic. Is it your favorite racetrack? Is it one of your favorite racetracks? I'll tell you why I'm at Atomic. I do. I love the track, but, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm real good at these little tracks, and I've really focused on little tracks. And, and, and Atomic, not that it's huge, but it's a little bit bigger and momentumish and more banking than I'm used to running. So, I mean, it. I, I got to get to where I'm, I'm a lot better on these bigger tracks. That way, when I go to Portsmouth or, um, like, basically when I run Atomic or Eldora, it, it'll help me with basically keeping the car more drivable and freer with traction. And uh, I just got to really focus on getting the car good on these bigger tracks. And that's, that's why I'm going in there and focusing there and probably be there all year. I have said many times, I feel you are one of the best, very best personalities in all of dirt late model racing. We need more Tyler Carpenters in our sport. And I think part of the reason I feel that way is you're super genuine. You are as honest and real as they come. What you see is what you get when you watch Tyler Carpenter race or in an interview or anything else. Has anyone ever said to you, Tyler, don't say this or don't say that or talk this way or talk that way. Because if anyone's ever told you that, do not listen to them. They would be dead wrong. Has anyone ever had that conversation with you? Like, oh, you should try this or that because they're wrong about that if they say that to you. Well, I tell you, you hear a lot of things. And I, <laughs> I hear a lot of people it's up in the industry telling you, man, you need to clean your act up a little bit. And you may go somewhere. You need to do this. And, and, and the way I see it, I like to, I, I mean, I'm just me. And, I don't try to act fake, and uh, if if you don't like me for who I am, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna be Tyler Carpenter, and you know sometimes I'm wild. So, I mean, I've calmed down a ton, but <laughs> like like you, I, I'm just man. That that I don't plan on ever changing. I'm not saying I won't calm down as far as racing, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I know if I clean my act up and more, be more presentable and try to act more professional or whatever, that I could probably go further in racing, but. I just don't want to be somebody I'm not, and I don't want to lose basically how I've been. I, you'd be surprised. There's been a lot of people that just brags about how I am. Heck, I even had one time Jimmy Owens told me, he said, he said, dude, I love when you win a race or whatever. He said, you, you got the best interviews I've ever watched. He said, you're, you're just a good, good, good kid and this and that. And, you know, it's cool to hear a guy like that say that. But uh, I don't know. It's just I, I know I could be different about things, but it, it's just who I am. I'm with Jimmy Owens, man. Be you, bud. Be you. Always stay yourself. You know, you talk a lot about being a lower-funded team. That's one of the things you always discuss in your interviews. What would a 10000 and I'm being dead serious when I ask this, what would $10,000 in mid-April do for a lower-funded team to kind of push you forward through the rest of the year, or at least the spring? You know, and I agree, we are small, like a, a, a budget team and i know we build race cars this and that but we ain't got it like near people think we do i mean we work day and night and just kill ourselves to make ends meet and uh and with me having four kids you know i, I have to have a little bit of money and, and I, I can't race and spend my rent money or whatever to i mean i just got to really watch what i'm doing and that ten thousand dollars just if i could pull that off that would just help relax the whole racing part of it and give me a little more money to race on and uh so i i, I mean i don't know like like you say, I, I'm I'm a little bit wild and stuff, but and uh, I, I'll never settle. Like if I'm running third or fourth, and then we get a restart, maybe I wasn't able to run with guys earlier, but I, I'm gonna try everything I can to, to snooker me a move or something to try to win the race. I don't I don't never like to settle. Sometimes I should, but uh, I'm always going for a win or a better spot. So, I mean, I, 
like I say, I, I'm not raising for the money, but I have the money. So. Last quick question. Uh, I have Tyler Bear on after you, and I'm going to talk to him about his long, flowing hair. You've got another set of, of great hair on you. And again, as someone who's uh, challenged a little bit in the hair department, Swab, what do you think? Tyler Carpenter keeps his hair as well. Tyler Bear and Tyler Carpenter, no haircuts for these two guys, Derek? Yeah, Tyler Swab here. I'm very jealous because uh, Riggsy <laughs> made me cut my hair a few years back. So you're uh, damn lucky to have that uh, but Tyler, flowing hair in the wind. I love it when it's that gateway. You're walking through the pits. It's just flowing. Tyler you know, Carpenter looks better with long hair than you do. That's part of the reason he can keep his hair, Derek. Probably. Tyler, you're keeping it right. You're never going short with that. Thing, are you? Oh man, I couldn't get short hair. I look goofy. <laughs> Some people may think I look goofy with long hair, but you know what? Let her eat. Let her eat. That's a perfect way to end it. The Atomic 100 Saturday night. You can watch it free with a Dirt on Dirt subscription from Atomic right here at DOD. We'll get another Tyler Carpenter moment, I have a feeling, Saturday night. Tyler, good luck this weekend, man. We're pulling for you, and uh, good luck in Ohio, bud. I appreciate y'all. Uh, Derek, again, his hair is far superior to yours in the yeah, long debatable. hair department. <laughs> it's not we debatable. Show, we need to show a photo of me back in Oh, yeah, you'll have to cook that up a side-by-side. -side. We don't often do the triple interview in a show, but we did it this week. First Chris Simpson, then Tyler Carpenter, finally previewing the big race out of Virginia Motor Speedway. It's another Tyler, as I, as I say in the open, Tyler Bear. From one Tyler to another, if I was scanning last year's biggest moments easily for me, and I would have thought of this right away without even really having to look for it, it would be Tyler Bear's $20,000 win victory at Virginia Motor Speedway. Not only was it his biggest career win, it was the first time he'd ever won a super late model race. We round out our previews now by talking to Booper's boy, Tyler, on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline. Tyler, I know it's been about 10 months but do you think you've settled into the fact that you won $20,000 last year at Virginia Motor Speedway? Has that actually sunk in with you yet? To tell you the truth, I really don't think that it has. I mean, <laughs> it was just a big deal for us. I mean, especially the first super race I ever won. I mean, it was really unbelievable the night it happened. Why are you so good at that place, do you think? Was it, what is it about that big, long racetrack in Saluda, Virginia that suits Tyler Bear so well? I don't know. I mean, I started up back toward home racing, but that I would consider that one of my home tracks, Saluda. I mean, we just we went there for two years, pretty much straight with the crate car, and I mean, I've had hundreds and hundreds of laps around that place, and and I've watched people run the supers before I got in supers, and and Jonathan Davenport. I mean, he he showed me a couple lines that made me better and better at that place even in the crate car it's not a bad teacher right to have jonathan davenport uh, show give me some tips <laughs> do you are you no, still friendly with you still friendly with jonathan or do you talk much to him i don't talk much to him i mean i speak to him or talk to him at the races when when they come or if we race with them some but uh he's a heck of a good guy and a heck of a good wheel man yeah again like i said not a bad teacher that guy's won a few races at that place particularly Tyler, we hear so much about these second-generation drivers, Bobby Pierce, Devin Moran, Billy Moyer Jr., but maybe we should hear about Tyler Bear more. I know Booper might not have been to the level of Billy Moyer or some of those guys, but he was a hell of an accomplished racer. Do you think you can climb to the level of those guys, of the Bobbies, of the Devins? Can you be one of those second-generation guys that gets right up in the mix as one of the best young late-model drivers in the country? That's my dream, anyway. I mean, I like doing what I'm doing farming and racing when, on the weekends and stuff, but that's my dream to be able to go out on the road and, and race weekly and especially be around the whole deal. I mean, that's just always what I've wanted to do. 
one of my earliest memories of your dad was the, and Turn has a picture of this. I'm going to have him put up right now. It was the 1992 Jackson 100, and I have a picture that I took as a 10-year-old of his hauler getting stuck in the trees at Brownstown. He pulled through the wrong entrance, Tyler. We're showing it on screen right now. He got his hauler stuck. It took about an hour to get it out of there. Uh, good thing there was no social media back then, Tyler, because your dad would have been all over Twitter that day. All jokes aside, your dad was renowned as one of the best storytellers in dirt late model racing. So I want to ask you, what was it like growing up the son of Booper Bear? I, I didn't know him really well, but I've been on the receiving end of a few incredible stories that he's told. What's it like being Booper's boy? Oh, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I couldn't have, couldn't have asked for a better role model or, or anything. I mean, you know, I mean, every son and father, they have their moments i mean we work together every day see each other every day and i mean we're together all the time and i, I couldn't picture myself wanting to be with anybody else yeah i'm showing some pictures of you and you're young and i had a, a question about your haircut eventually i'm realizing how long your hair has gotten now over the years i'm not sure you've gotten it cut since these pictures i'm showing when is the last time you got that lettuce cut is what i'd like to know uh i'm sure it's probably it was probably beginning of last year, I would say. That's wait, you can grow your hair that long in a year? Yeah, it's it's probably I don't think it's been over a year. Suave, I am jealous of that. The fact that Tyler <laughs> Bear I is someone who struggles follically. Uh, look at that hair on Tyler Bear. Are you kidding me? Derek, do you want your hair to be that long? Well, I used to have flow like that back in the day, but um, you made me cut it, and you said I could never <laughs> grow it back out again. So, uh, Tyler, you're a one lucky man right now. Well, we have a policy of dirt on dirt, Tyler. Your hair can't get past the shoulders. We're like the Yankees, so we'd have to have a talk if you came to be a reporter here. So <laughs> It, uh, it, it kind of just stuck. I mean, it was kind of – I graded it out as a joke, and then – I just, it's just stuck, and I haven't ever cut it. It's lettuce. I like when they refer to hair as lettuce. you got some lettuce on you. This weekend, the field looks pretty good again. What is it going to take to win another $20,000 at Virginia Motor, bud? Just to get our, I mean, just to get our, our setups and stuff right. I mean, man, I was down in the dumps after the heat race last weekend at, at Hagerstown. I mean, we started off good, and, I mean, no nobody's fault by any means, and, I mean, we just made the wrong adjustment for the heat race, and I was starting to think that it was me, and uh, we changed some stuff there for the B-Main, and, I mean, the car was really good, and we were coming forward. So hopefully, I mean, just making the right adjustments and and the peel draw, I mean, just like we were the last car in Group 1 to qualify, and uh, we qualified 11th, but we were faster than everybody in Group 2. Yeah. I mean, it's just the luck of the draw. Yeah, that's part of it for sure. Virginia Motor Speedway this Saturday night, one day, one day, still one of these awesome one-day 20,000-to-win shows. Tyler Bear will be back for more. We'll see if – I don't even know if we – Derek, would it be an upset if he won again or not? I was going to say call it an upset. Yes or no if he wins again? No, because once you win the biggest race of, uh, you know, at a racetrack, you're considered one of the great ones that are at that, you know, that particular okay. track. So, no, it's not an upset if he wins. He goes back-to-back. -back. There you go, Tyler. Not an upset. Do you agree if you win this weekend, not an upset? No, no, I'd be more than happy to do that again. I mean, a top five finish would be good for me. I love it. There you have it. Virginia Motor Speedway this weekend. Tyler Bear will be back for more. Good luck this weekend, buddy. Thank you. And I have a few sponsors. I mean, I sure, got, go ahead. I mean, I, got, I mean, pre match at uh, York PA, uh, Thurston Springs Service. They just come on board, Richmond, Virginia. Lehigh Truck Parts, Lexington, uh, Sunoco Racing Fuels, Hank Thomas Performance. Red Wing Work Boots, 
and uh, Brian BK Motorsports that uh, that owns the 43 Rat. I mean, with all those guys and my dad, Integra, and I mean, we couldn't do it without them. Thanks, Tyler. Good luck this weekend, man. All righty. Thank you. We talk an awful lot about video on this show and this website term, but let's pay some respect to the written word. When we get back, we're going to give the writers a little bit of love. You're watching Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. We're back in about 90 seconds. One of the Heartland's greatest motorsports events is coming back to Lucas Oil Speedway. It's the 27th annual Lucas Oil Show Me 100. Presented by Protect the Harvest. This is fast family fun at its finest. When the cars of the late Mongol Dirt Series battle for ultimate supremacy on the track. It's three full nights of the wildest dirt track motorsports mayhem. At one of the nation's premier motorsports facilities. It all happens May 23rd through the 25th. And it's only at Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri. For tickets and info, visit lucasoilspeedway.com. Shepard, you wonder if they're going to wear out that top and are going to be running all over here for the feature. That may happen. Shepard making one last effort to get it done, but Josh Richards is on the front row tonight. This, to me, is one of the more unbelievable, no-one-knows-about-it streaks in all of dirt late model racing history. Get this. You saw the video there. The last 24 times Josh Richards has won a heat race in Lucas Oil competition, 18 last year and six this year. So 24 consecutive times he has won a heat. He has not won the feature. That may not sound like a lot, but to me, it's it's almost unbelievable. 24 times Josh Richards has started in basically the top four, sometimes the top six, and not won the feature. 24 heat wins in a row, not in races in a row, but 24 times he's won a heat. He's not won a feature. Uh, Derek, isn't that an unbelievable statistic? That is a wild statistic to me for one of the best drivers in the history of late model racing. Yeah, if you would have told me that like two or three years ago, like if he had 24 heat race wins, he probably would have won like 20 of those features. But yeah, I think he's... Well, 20 seems aggressive, but yeah. like 10 at least, 10, yeah. Right? So yeah. he's got to pick it up here a little bit. Obviously, his heat race is good, but he'll get a win. He'll get some wins coming. Don't worry. We will see how long that streak could last. I mentioned back in January that Turn's Turn would not be on the docket sorry, will not be on the docket every week of this show. Uh, we're going to replace it with some other segments. His turn's just very, very busy, isn't he, Derek? Oh, he's <laughs> so busy. <laughs> what if, you guys are bullies. Put, That's put what Derek it is. up. D Derek, do your impression of turn directing a live show. Bop, beep, boop, bop, boop, bop. The power is out. Bop, beep, boop, 
<laughs> oh, let's not relive the Prater Classic Power Round. It's from last year. Uh, anyway, we're going to have other segments. Uh, you've seen Allie's World. That's already She's already a bigger star than Derek. And I wanted to launch something else this week. We have so much amazing written content on the website. We staff four full-time writers, and they are all true and actual journalists with journalism degrees. And I wanted to highlight that even more this week. It's a new segment we like to call Need to Read. The Jeter kid will never get old. So <laughs> never get old to me. To show the writers some love is one of their own on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline. It's Kevin Kovac. Kevin, two parts to this. First of all, I want to know what on the website people need to be checking out right now. I want to know, um, and you don't have to start with that, but my other thing on that is just tell us this story, this story, this story. Check that out. And second of all, you're a, you're a written nerd, as I like to call you, a writer nerd. Uh, this The written content on our website is just unbelievable. People need to, it's, it's the rounding out of the website, isn't it? So answer that question first and then tell us kind of what people need to be looking at second. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah all, the, all the written stuff on this website it, I think it goes, obviously the video stuff is great. You know, you guys are the best with the video. There's no doubt about it, but I think that we add to the, add to the website with our stories because a story can go more, more concise, more detailed. You, you get that little bit more context uh, uh, that you can, we can go deeper. We you know we can go into the stats because it's a little, we have a little more time to go look at it. You know, we can build up the story a little bit longer and, and heck, we're on a website now, so we don't even have to make it. We, we don't have like a 1,000-word limit either. Oh, we know, know you don't have a 1,000-word uh, limit, I, I Kevin. I know you know that, right? We, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I try to make it long. Make sure maybe it's not like quite a novel, but, hey, I try to make people take some time up, you know, while they're, uh, you know, sitting around the house, and then they can just read and enjoy a little bit. You know, they don't have the newspaper to look at. Look at it on the website. Hold their phone up and read some, read some stuff. But there's always so much good stuff. Uh, you know, in these stories that I like, just hopefully everybody will take some time to, to read them. Uh, I mean, like one, like you were asking about, like some of the things that need to be read on this website right now. And um, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not tooting my horn or anything, but I think <laughs> one of the things I wrote last week with uh, one of my, my column last week about Cody Summer, uh, you know, taking over as like kind of the manager for Scott Bloomquist. I, I think that's some, I, he said some great stuff to me. There, like, there's some times when I'm, interviewing somebody and I'm like, man, this guy is really telling me some interesting things that people are going to want to hear. And that's what I was, was going through my mind when, uh, when Cody was talking to me. I think he really made some interesting things about hooking up with Scott and, and who Scott is. I mean, so hopefully uh, people could go check that one out. Uh, I, mean, you, I don't know if you guys have read it, but I think, uh, I think you noticed that Cody did say some pretty cool stuff, didn't he? He said some amazing stuff. And I think you mentioned, Kevin, we don't have a words limit on the website, but on the video side, video files get too big. So you do have to sort of restrict that. It's just the way video versus writing has always worked. You can't flush as much detail out in video. I'll be honest. So much of the stuff I get from this show comes from you and Allie and Todd and everybody. I put something in our Slack channel every Sunday and Monday. All right, guys, what notes, what news, what nuggets did you get? Because you guys just have a tendency to get a little bit deeper than we always. Sure, us video people, we're the, we're the pilots, Derek. We're the handsome fly boys. <laughs> we, we get it, you know. But overall, Kevin, I'm, I'm joking somewhat. You guys are the ones that dive in and get that stuff. And I just want people to remember constantly the real grit, nuts and bolts stuff that comes from you, the writers read, you need to read on the website, man there. If you're a dirt late model enthusiast, Kevin, that's where the, the written stuff is really where it's at. 
Yeah, I think that was, you know, like that's, I, we always get all, you know, everybody's busting up, busting on us after the race, especially when I get into the dirt on dirt van after the race. So, oh, come on, Kovacs taking so long in the tank. We're just grinding away in there. Get, we're trying to set the scene, you know, find out some really digging stuff, get that information so we can bring it to to the readers of Dirt on Dirt, right? Right, what, Swamp? Yeah, right, Derek. He's grinding. He's working harder than you, Derek. Well, the one thing is, uh, <laughs> though, is video, you can't fix mistakes. I see, you know, you guys can go back and correct all your, like, you know, mistakes or you have to fix a quote or you forgot something. So video, we have to be perfect. You guys don't have to be perfect. Yeah, you guys have, like, a million or an unlimited lives like in Mario or something, you know, and you, you could just fix everything. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen You're, to the household name. The man. household <laughs> name. He's got to be busting on me like that. Kevin, so. what other uh, – and Allie Kyle is quick to defend the writers as well. If the writers aren't getting love, she will, she will jump to your defense. What else on the website right now, Kevin? Your Cody Summer, Scott Bloomquist story. What else do people need to check out this week? Well, I hope that somebody will uh, go back. Go back in our little catch-all at the top, top right-hand corner of the website. Uh, you can go back and see everything that's on the website, obviously. But go back to March 11th when Todd Turner wrote a story about crewmen. I, I think it was a great thing. It was really awesome. Uh, he talked about a lot how a lot of innovations have come along. And he talked to a lot of different crewmen from the dirt late model teams and stuff. And uh, it was an improvement, streamlined work for racing crews. And I think it's really it was a cool feature story that he did. And um, I think people would get a lot out of that. And it gives those crew guys a little uh, little love, too. And um, one thing that's going to be on the website tomorrow, I'm working on a story on uh, for my column on Kyle Strickler. Uh, and, you know, him work going with Eric Wells and, and David Wells, uh, that team uh, this year, you know, bringing a big modified guy into the dirt late model world. And Kyle already got a fourth place finish last week at a, in his first race in the, in the Wells late model at Smoky mountain. So uh, we're going to go a little in depth on that. And Kyle Strickler, of course, was, a, I remember seeing him at Penn national speedway. He's from right around me in Pennsylvania. So it's pretty, uh, he has a little kid when his parents owned the Kenny Brightbulls modified. So it's nice to see him at a, in, in the late model world now. And, and, and one other thing, don't, don't forget also just the weekly stuff that we have on here. Allie, Allie Collis is of course her, uh, her weekly notebook. You know, this week it's going to be on Joey Kramer, uh, you know, a modified uh, standout who's, who's doing some good late model, uh, uh, having some good late model performances so far this year. And, you know, Todd Turner always has his quick time on there, which brings so much good information to the table, uh, all kinds of good stats. Uh, this week you can check out some stuff about Easter weekend racing that he's got some stats on. And then also, you know, check out some of them blogs that, uh, that uh, Robert Robert Holman also puts together. I mean, really, he, he comes up with some really good ideas. I always like reading his uh, his blog. Kevin, or uh, excuse me, Derek, respect the writers, okay? That's the moral of the story, is that you, Mr. Handsome Flyboy Pilot Videographer, does not respect the writers enough, okay? I'm sorry, Kovac, but you like you didn't mention any future stories about the GOAT of uh, Farmer City. He just won last weekend, uh, <laughs> Kevin Weaver. You think you would like give him a call or something? Top 10 run in his well, home tractor yeah, and the big boys there? Big- he got on the he got on the scorecard there with a the victory this week, you know. So that's pretty good. You know, just, hey, my man Billy Pouch, my modified guy from New Jersey. Okay, hey, he got a win already. You're breaking up. You're breaking our up. favorite drivers. <laughs> oh my god, jeez. <laughs> All right, don't forget, guys. Play the open again, turn. I want to see it one more time. The Jeter respect hat tip. Don't forget, there is so much on the website that you need to read, people. And we will have Kevin Kovac on periodically to tell us exactly what that is. Kevin, I'll keep these boys straight. Don't worry, okay.
Yeah, keep on. Don't, don't pick on turn too much, though. I know. You guys are really getting on him today. You know, oh, he's a good job. See, fire, you know? I, I told you guys. You guys boy. were being bullies. Yeah, oh, God. Bullies. Eh? All right, bye, Kovac. <laughs> Love you. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a debate around Ooh. here. Suave said for his lock of the week last week, four different winners in four races, but only two of them got in. Now, granted, it was two different winners. So does that count? Of course, Todd Turner is our end-all, be-all when it comes to judgments. We thought we'd call Todd and ask him, does this lock count or not? For dramatic effect. For dramatic effect. We're putting Suave on screen here. Yes. And playing the ruling. Okay, here we go. No, but I, mean, I kind of do those predictions on the quick time thing. That's the same thing I would do is just, you know, just scrap that. You know, like if I predict, I think I did predict something about the four. And to me, since they all weren't fours in, it made it less of a prediction. You know, it, it didn't match the prediction, you know. So it's just not good enough, you know. It's got to be a, it's got to be complete to some degree. But it's at least a, it's a neutral. He doesn't take an L for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't give him an L because, it, I mean, it's, I, I would say the whole thing was rained out. His, his, his prediction was rained out by that. Wow. How about that, Derek? Joke. Not, Joke. <laughs> nobody argued. Joke. Argue. We, we agreed when we started this three years ago. We don't argue with the Godfather. The Godfather has the final say, and that's it. Todd says no win, no loss, neutral. That okay. probably helps me in a way, honestly. Yes, it does. Here we go. This week's Lock of the Week. Swab's Lock of the Week. Yeah, so apparently my lock doesn't count. I mean, I could go to Vegas right now, and I could give him my ticket, and it would still, you know, be a winner. I would still, get, you know, get some monies. But all in all, I guess it's still a wash, and my record still sits at 1-3. and three. But I'm taking my talents this weekend to Atomic for the Atomic 100. And, you know, I was thinking about it for a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with my boy Devin Moran to pick up the w. w. Sure, he's going to be in the Ty Torg car, but he's had great success. He's going to be in his own backyard, and I think he's going to dominate, absolutely dominate the field this Saturday. Let's go, Devin. Get this guy back on my winning track. Let's get the Suave Express going, and that's Suave's Lock of the Week. Let us take a look at that record right now. Parked at one and three after the no decision, according to Todd Turner. So, by the way, turn does Devin Brand have to just win or dominate? Because he said he'd dominate. Just win. I think just win. I think just win. Is fine. I mean, it's open for interpretation. It's open for interpretation. Uh, I, to get, I like Kovac still hanging out over oh, my yeah, shoulder, I gotta, I gotta shoulder by that. the way. Get that guy off there. He's haunting looking. Uh, last week, I took a trip down memory lane with an old National Dirt Digest, and people loved it. They were eating it up. I'm going to do it again this week after the break, and we will finish up with five to go. You're watching Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live back after this. Second to none. 
Number two, their service is outstanding. And number three, they are on the leading edge of piston ring technology all the time. They supply rings to the best racers in motorsports, all levels. Late Model Racing Australia, this is a really cool deal that they put on, and uh, we're just having a blast. Parking by my butt here, Ryan, uh, it's, just, it's just a really fun time. It just keeps growing, so I can't see why, why next year wouldn't be any bigger. Meanwhile, Tina goes, and it's all Jason Fitzgerald and Taylor Ramp. Slide job to Earth. Can he play right? Yes, he can. Earth to the race lead. Earth wins. Earth takes the win. Hell, I think there was, what, 29, 30 cars at, at every show, and that, that was way better than last year, so. Never know when we get back next year, there might be 50. He and that crew towed into this racetrack in a pickup truck and a box trailer, and they will take the win in the World 100. Timmy McCready does it. It sort of slid under the radar, but did you see Eldora already announced their 2020 big race dates, including the World 100 September 10th, 11th and 12th. And why does that matter so much? Other than that the World 100 is the biggest race on the planet for us, it's 50th. The 50th World 100, 5-0. 5-0, 50th World 100. I cannot believe we're there already. Swath, how long have you been going to Eldora now? What is Not, your first? 1999, so this is my 20th year going this wow, year. Wow, milestone season for you. Yeah, there was a uh, full of highs and lows that year. You know, Bob Pierce was leading. Oh, Steve the, Francis won. So. That's the peel back, right? The the where the left front uh, yeah. fender peeled back on Pierce. And, that's right. You know, the flat lane flash was running second or third, and he got a flat tire, had to go to the tail. I thought that was could have been the night because he was coming off his uh, second place run in 1998. But yeah, I definitely saw some crazy things that year as a 10 year old. But you know what? The World 100 is the best race. Not even close. It's the so. biggest show. There's no doubt yes. about it. Um, one thing I did last week that I'm going to keep doing on this show is I grab from my massive stack of old National Dirt Digest. Again, thank you to Brian McLeod. This one, this one addressed to Todd, by the way. I love that. Todd's old address of 2301 Half Wesley half Court. How about that? Um, this one, a lot of things very cool about this. So I just want to keep doing this each week. In turn, was there when I grabbed this. This is complete and total randomness. I grabbed this out of the stack of National Dirt Digest. And I was like, yeah, this looks like a good one. It's Matt Miller's dream win. Matt's incredible. All the way back in uh, 2005, so 14 years ago. But look at the headline on top of this. It almost gave me chills when I grabbed it. IMCA driver dies after pit accident. That's Brent Slocum. This just happens to be the episode after Brent Slocum um, was killed after his pit accident. And of course, this weekend, Slocum 50 at 34. I have goosebumps talking about it now. Just randomly, I happened to grab this one. Um, and that was the headline on top. I just, I thought that was incredible. Uh, it was like somebody was kind of steering me towards that one almost, it seems like. Like, this was the one I needed to grab. Uh, tons of stuff in this one about Matt Miller's dream win. And Suave, you're going to love this quote. I'm going to read some stuff from everyone. I've got page 41, Don O'Neill, a NARA Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series win, wins the um, Ralph Latham Memorial. O'Neill, Pearson, Matt Miller, Scott James, Bart Hartman, your top five. 64 cars there, by the way. Here is a story. Front runners cry foul over O'Neill's aggressiveness. It's about Don O'Neill driving aggressive. Here's a quote from Earl Pearson Jr. The thing of it is, if all of us get together against Don, we'll just have to take action. If we wreck him a couple of times, maybe we'll get our point across. End quote, Earl Pearson Jr. Woo! 
How about that swap all the way back 14 years ago? Let's give credit to the writers because uh, I don't know if I think they would get a little camera shot. I don't know if they would give us the full, you know, detail on cameras. So we got to give uh, kudos to, uh, I guess, Todd and company for getting that quote. But yeah, that's a. Uh, He's a little bit of an aggressive driver, so I can see where they're coming from. The other a one bit. I love in this one right here, um, turn, put me back. How many laps are down? Finally, Eldora fans know. This is a notebook from Todd. Eldora got a scoreboard this year for the first time <laughs> back in 2005. So uh, let's just give me one more here. Uh, the, the Banks, Oregon story there. Do, 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 do. Uh, Liberty, Indiana, relaxed Scott, uh, eases to victory. Aaron Scott wins a uh, ALMS race at Union County Speedway. Uh, there, look at this, a young Christian Rayburn in here. So we'll do this each and every week. Just very cool to pull out the old National Dirt Digest again. Matt Miller's incredible win, and Brent Slocum. We're, uh, we're still thinking about you all these years later. Let's finish the show strong, five to go turn. Number five, we've got racing early this week. The Rush Series Battle of the Bay Speed Weeks kicks off this Wednesday. It's a four-race stretch that includes Delaware, Georgetown, Potomac, and Winchester. All of these races paying at least 3000 a win, and we are going to have coverage every single night. These races had big car counts last year. Almost every night was in the 40s, 46 one night. A year ago, it was Logan Roberson who won two of four and the miniseries title. I think that happens again, Derek. I think the exact same scenario. He wins two and the championship, but you know that Ross Robinson and Max Blair likely, Amanda Whaley, will all be lurking. If you're in the Mid-Atlantic, check it out. The good folks at Rush, four nights. Good luck to those guys and the series. Number four, the Ethanol Series kicked things off in Illinois for the Thaw Brawl, but they're back in their home state of Michigan to start this weekend off on Friday. 4,000 to win at I-96. That place has seen some memorable moments the past few years. And then down to Indiana on Saturday at the very cool Plymouth Speedway in Plymouth, Indiana. I'm with Derek. I wanted to pick uh, Steve Casebolt to win, but it looks like he's going to Atomic instead. So I'm not sure on Plymouth, but I like Rusty Schlank to win at uh, I-96. Number three, one thing that has struck me about this year's Spring Nationals for Ray Cook, a lot of $10,000 races dot the schedule. It's really taken a step up this year as a regional tour. Saturday night, it's Tacoa's turn as the Georgia track plays host to yet another 10K show for the Spring Nationals. And the night before, it's an appetizer. Hmm, mott sticks, Derek. Another Peach State track. Blue Ridge Motorsports Park pays 4000 to win Friday. I'm calling for the sweep. Casey Roberts not only wins at his home track Saturday, he wins them both. Number two, Super bummed we lost the comp cams races this past weekend, Friday and Saturday, particularly at I-30. That race is reset for August 3rd, so set your calendars for the Will McGarry Memorial at Tracy Clay's I-30. But they get a cool bounce-back opportunity this weekend, Friday at Old Number 1 Speedway in Harrisburg, and then on Saturday, one of my faves, Legit Speedway Park in West Plains, or as us old-timers call it, turn West Plains Motor Speedway. Last week, Tony Jackson Jr. went asphalt racing. I think he comes to his senses this week and wins at West Plains on the dirt. And number one, Southern All-Stars with one night this weekend. Saturday, a Thunder Hill Raceway showdown in Summertown, Tennessee. It's 4,000 to win. And I have uh, rewritten my line on this seven times. Literally, it might have been five or six. Brad Skinner, Josh Putnam, Dane Dacus. They've all been in my crosshairs. So I'm copping out and saying one of the three of those guys wins this race. Dwayne Keith, you tell me. I know you watch the show every week. Dwayne, who wins this race? Tweet it at me. Text me. Uh, that was five to go. Lots of stuff coming up this weekend. Let's hope the weather cooperates turn because we have a busy on-demand schedule. Yes, we do. We have MLRA at Davenport, Spring Nationals at Blue Ridge and Tacoa, Slocum 30, uh, excuse me, Slocum 50 at 34 Raceway, live for 
all our subs free. All you have to do is be a subscriber. That's it. You can watch them free. You can. Atomic 100 live and free for subs as well. Ethanol at I-96 in Plymouth. Uh, Southern All-Stars at Thunder Hill. King of the Commonwealth at Virginia Motor. That's an ultimate sanction race, by the way. I like the name, but it's an ultimate sanction race. Yes. And then, uh, wow, look at all those rush races. Delaware, Georgetown, Potomac, and Winchester. Busy weekend for our camera folks out there and reporters across the country. Uh, other runs, uh, Kevin Kovac. Oh, no, no, we have pay-per-views. Let's get yes, to that. Before do. God, I was just so excited to get to my Kevin Kovac is dead notes section. Um, by the way, the longest late model live in history right now, Terry. This is exciting. Um, yes. Free for subscribers this weekend. The Slocum 50 at 34 if you're a subscriber. Watch that free. Also, same night turn, Atomic 100. Free for subscribers. Watch that free. Uh, this one's not free, however. You got you to pay for this one. Lucas Oil at Macon on April 27th, the sixth year in a row. We have done Macon live with Bob Sargent, our good friend down there. Uh, looking forward to the fifth mile smile, getting it on at Macon. Uh, and then not too long after that turn, we've got uh, a couple of these $10 shows again. Farmer City, 10000 to win on Friday night, May 10th, 10 bucks pay-per-view. Next night, at Falls, Fairbury Speedway on May 11th. Matt Curl's new hip hop and spot. Uh, May 10th is, or excuse me, May 11th. That 10 bucks as well for the Falls Frenzy that night at Fairbury. And don't forget, if you're a Fast Pass holder, we got plenty coming up. May 3rd and 4th at Livonia in Cherokee, and May 10th and 11th at Jim Long's Fayetteville Motor Speedway. The Fast Pass still a excellent deal, 39 bucks a month. And just wait till we get into June turn with the Fast Pass in July. Uh, the, the thing will be paying dividends. Kevin Kovac, Memorial Notes. Uh, Derek touched on a couple already. Colton Burdett at Atomic. Wanted to give a shout-out to him. Gene Knob at Hagerstown. These locals ran really well. Good to see John Henry back, by the way, uh, in that Frank Heckinus Jr. car. Those two have been uh, friends for a while. Got to see John race at Atomic. And uh, Dustin Linville back, Derek. I actually didn't know if we'd ever get the rooster back, but Dustin Linville back in that Schwartz car uh, this past weekend. Dustin Linville, is he, is he here to stay or not, Suave? Let's hope, because he was uh, always entertaining to watch. And uh, I remember going to Shep Speedway back in the Summer Nationals. He took a nasty barrel roll flip there, and he was like one of those uh, random guys to show up there. So, yeah, I hope we uh, can see him. He's always a good interview and stuff like that. And uh, what was that uh, stat about uh, Dale McDowell that Kovac told you? I want to get it right, so he told you, didn't he? Dale McDowell, consider this. He's running well right now. He's leading the Spring Nationals points. Yeah, and I'll actually go off my notes here so I have this right. Uh, he's chasing that $10,053 championship on the Spring Nationals, pays ten grand this year. If Dale McDowell wins the Spring Nationals championship, it would be his first points title since Hava Tampa in 1999. Now, granted, he hasn't really series raced, but that's 20 years ago. Dale McDowell's incredibly accomplished. Uh, pretty incredible. 20 years would be Dale McDowell's first touring title in 20 years. How about the Rice brothers flip-flopping at Florence? Josh Rice wins at Florence after being out of a late model for a while, and James Rice wins the modified after being out of the modified, the role reversal, uh, Suave. Uh, those two kind of switching places at Florence. This Shout past out to week. Jerry. <laughs> the Z1. Uh, Suave, any other notes from you? Yeah, the National Dirt Lama Hall of Fame is going yep. through some renovation, so it's going to be not open while they're renovating. You know, they're going to make it more visitor friendly, but it will be open for. They're planning to have it open for the North South weekend, and of a, uh, I think some driver from Illinois is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame that week year. So uh, that Bob weekend. Pierce, Roger Long, Bob no. uh, Bob Pullman Jr., nope. um, Gary May. You're naming everybody but the goat. So okay, okay, it's Kevin Weaver. I tweeted this out this past weekend, but wanted to extend a personal thank you to Ray Cook and Smoky Mountain for working with us on the live video of the Spring Nationals and our partnership with Speed Shift TV. Thank you to Darren and them as well. We will have more of those this year. I think eight to ten turn in total. 
spring, summer, fall, or spring, yeah, southern, right fall nationals that. races. Right yeah, and uh, hopefully more next year. Hopefully many yeah. more next year. But thanks to everyone for that. Uh, Derek, any final, final thought? No, it was a great show. Uh, it's what, the longest running one we ever had? Longest late model live ever. Hour 40 minutes, baby. This hey. is me. Baby, Can turn. I got one more thing. Oh, turn. Go ahead. Turn. Uh, how about the tweet from uh, Ben Shelton? Yeah, Ben Shelton with the positive tweet uh, that I loved, actually. It's so much freaking negativity in the sport. Um, ben just basically tweeted out, say something nice. And he got a shit ton of responses to her, didn't he? Yeah, it was a ton. It, it was, was a ton. Uh, good for Ben. Benji's this new leaf, this new positive Benji. I like it a lot. What's yours turn? What's your reason? I mean, he gets I to work to be for like the cliche or whatever, but uh, the people the... I've met in racing, the people, you know, the, the guys that are sitting on either side Aww. of me here, uh, you know, some of the best friends I've ever made in my Aww. life. And... So that means I am giving a speech at your wedding. Yeah, is Derek the best man in your wedding? Can we cover that or no? Uh, next week, yeah. He's not week. actually engaged yet, by the way. It's about that time also. Show me 100 a month away. That's kind of the kickoff Memorial Day weekend. We are almost there into the guts of the season. We will be right back here next week for our third straight week of Late Model Live. We take the last weekend in April off. And then some guy named Derek Kessinger hosts on May 7th. So oh prepare yourself for that. And that's for when Turn Turn comes back. For Turn for Derek, for myself, and everybody at DirtOnDirt.com. We will see you seven days from now right back here. And good luck this weekend to everybody across America.